Welcome to Sausage on a Fork, a podcast dedicated to the UK's longest-running children's drama programme, Strange Hill. My name's Neil, and in each episode, I'll interview a former cast member about their life before, during, and after their time on the programme. Okay, so welcome to the next episode of Sausage on a Fork, and I'm very delighted to say that I've been joined by Darren Cudgel-Cole, who played Clark Trent. Darren, welcome to Sausage on a Fork. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Pleasure. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Really, really great to talk to you. Okay, Darren, what we'll do is we'll start this episode the way we start every episode, um, and if we'll go right back to the beginning for you, and if you can tell us how you got into acting. Well, um, so I've always been a performer from when I was a child. When I was five, six, I was I was always the you know the sort of the party, the party dancer, the body popper, the break dancer, the singer, right. the dancer, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, my parents just decided um, to send me to a stage school. So uh-huh. I went to the Barber Speaks Stage right. School from the age of around ten to sixteen, uh-huh. um, and obviously that that that's where I got the 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 most active work in that in that environment there so it's like an agency and a school together uh-huh. okay and before you were on Grange Hill did you get to do much work did you get much work from from the agency yeah I mean it was Grange Hill was really the last major thing that I did oh, before, right. okay. before leaving school yeah so there was a a long period of maybe four years of constantly working and wow. Grange Hill yeah from the age of around 11 to maybe 10 to about 13, 14. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, it was just constant, constant work. And then obviously Grangel came yeah. and that was obviously for a child. It was the pinnacle, the pinnacle <laughs> shows. Yeah. It was, a, you know, alongside probably Biker Grove and those programs there, yeah. they were probably the biggest children's program on TV. So if you, if you managed to get that gig, you know, you've done pretty well. Yeah. So did you get to work on anyone famous before you were on any any big names or anything like that before Grangel? Um, I mean, I did. Gosh, I mean, I did. No Ledman's Late Late Breakfast Show. Right. That was, uh, yeah, that was one of the first things I did. Interviewing Bruce Scrubbler. Right. So that's okay. what I, yeah, <laughs> that, I was actually one of the first things I've done. Um, you know, I've done The Bill. I've worked with Uma, Th- Uma Thurma um, um, in, a, in a children's um, series called The Album. I need to insert a small apology here. Since this interview was recorded, Darren has contacted me to tell me it was Una Stubbs and not Uma Thurman that he was in the album with. Now, let's get back to the interview. Did another children's programme called Tricky Business, uh-huh. which was like a magic show. Um, yeah. Yeah, adverts and voiceovers, yeah, but no one that really stands out, really, to be honest. Right, okay. Okay, so. Um, how did um, how did you get the part then of of Clark in Granger? Well, it was a strange one. I was I was I was at school, um, and I think uh, pro- my school had photos of everybody in the school. So I right. guess when directors came, if they had an idea or an image of someone that they wanted before they auditioned, they would obviously be able to see them, have a look at them. And yeah, I remember I got called down to an audition. Um, it was auditions were very random that day. You'd be working in class and next thing your name would come on the tan or you asked to go to whatever room and audition. So I remember at the time I actually, <laughs> I'd actually broken both my wrists and right. I had, plaster, <laughs> it had plaster cast on, yeah, on both, 
on both my wrists. Wow. So um, I've got I've gone into the audition with my plaster cast, and yeah, I was asked to read read the script, uh-huh. and I read the script, and within a couple of days, um, I'd got I got the job. Right, brilliant. Because you joined with a, a new year group, and that at the time it hadn't happened for a few years, so that year group had quite a heavy focus in the, in the, those first few episodes. So there was the likes of. Yourself, Paul Paris, who played uh, Matthew and Matthew, yeah. Sean Rachel, McGuire, Sean McGuire Rachel Victoria, Robert, and then of course there was Sonia Cairns and Lynn Radford as well. Did you know any yes. of them? Did you know any of them before you were on? Uh, no, not prior to Grange Hill. No, right. no, no. Okay. And what was it like joining the program? Ah, it was amazing. Um, I think you appreciate it when you leave later on in life. At the right. time when you're a kid. You're just a little kid running around, having fun, acting, having fun, laughing, uh-huh. joking. A lot of laughs and a lot of jokes, I remember. Um, and yeah, no, nah, I mean, generally it was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I, I can't say anything. I'm <laughs> right, okay. Still work, obviously. You have to be professional and work. Yeah. You, know, you can't be turning up and not knowing your lines and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was uh, the only real aspect that you had to focus on when it came down to showtime. You have to deliver. Yeah. Can't be taking too many takes. <laughs> and, uh, were you a fan of the program? Massive fan. Right. Yeah. All my, all my mates. All my mates were. All my mates yeah. were. So what was it like when you got there and and you seeing and you you know you're there with the likes of Ziggy and Robbie and and all those people who you've been growing up. With? Yeah, I mean it was great because those guys, you know, from what I remember, were very welcoming and they yeah. made you they made the younger guys feel at ease, you know, and they'll and they'll help you if you needed help. And again, you know, a lot of laughs and jokes from 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 the elder that I remember in particular. So yeah, it was a good vibe. Lots of banter, lots of fun. Brilliant. You know, Brilliant. good vibe. Yeah. And so, who were you like closest to, like best friends with, if, if you like? Um, it's weird because I mean, I knew a lot of the extras as well. All right, okay. A lot, a lot of the extras were from my school and other schools that I that I worked with them before on other jobs. So I kind of I, I knew. I was friendly with so many people there and people will tell you, they'll remember me being here, there and everywhere. Um, yes. Obviously I spent a lot, a lot of time with um, Matthew, uh, the character Matthew, because obviously yeah. we had, we had a lot of um, dialogue together. So we did, we, we spent a lot of time together, probably, probably the most time together, just, yeah. just out of um, um, having to work together. But he was, he was a good guy as well. So yeah. Yeah. Sean, Sean, Sean McGuire, we spent a lot of time as well. Um, yeah. Robbie. <laughs> Robert, yeah, I remember he was he was a funny guy. Ziggy, he was he was funny as well. Gunch, they, all these guys yeah. are funny, man. Really? Like I said, they they helped the young ones along quite well, so that was good. So you know, when when you there, um, did you have any idea how big Sean Maguire's career would go? Was was it obvious to you as a kid that he that he had, he had that something about him? Like, I think it was actually. Because yeah. yeah, I remember him being a he was a good actor and he was very natural and very very on point with his delivery. So mm-hmm. it, it it didn't overly surprise me, right. to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And was there anyone that you particularly enjoyed working with? Um not really, no. I can't really right. say there was one one person, no, not really. Yeah. But you were also there this, with Anna Quayle was there at the time, Mrs. Munro, like, and she, uh, I, I just think for for a, for a young kid to get to work with Anna Quayle, who'd done the likes of 
chitty chitty bang bang and a hard day's night and she'd done all this thing and I just think and there she is turning up on Grange Hill and I just thought that must have been amazing to work with the likes of her and Michael Sheard as well you know Mr Bronson and people yeah. like that like yeah, um, Miss McCarthy. Yeah, Miss. I mean, yeah. Again, again, those guys were just they. They just had a way to make you feel very comfortable. Yeah, you know, very comfortable when when whenever you were working scenes with them. So, yeah, it was a bit weird. Miss McCarthy was like, she was like, really, your headmaster, like, really, <laughs> yeah. your headmistress, like it, on and off screen. It's like you, you couldn't get that image out of your head. Yeah, you know, that's that's what she was. So I guess that's a a reflection on on how well she played the part. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good as well that people always said, you know, the relationship between the kids and the adults was always really good yeah. as well. You know, the the adults treated the kids on, on the same sort of level. And and I think I, uh, when I was speaking to Gwyneth Powell, who, who played Miss McCluskey, she said said some of, some of the acting from the kids was unbelievable anyway, like yeah. she she was saying that. like oh. so, so you started in 1988. And as, as we've said there, you know, you... you joined as a new year group and it there was quite a heavy focus on it. What I liked about that year group was that there was a little bit of backstory in the fact that some of it, it was mentioned a couple of times that some of the kids knew each other from primary school. Obviously, uh, the likes of Tegs played by Sean was a, <laughs> a bit of a rascal, shall we say, like he <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> but, but, but Clark knew him from his from his previous school and said he was an alright kid, but he, he probably wouldn't... Uh, <laughs> He probably wouldn't <laughs> trust them. Now, <laughs> um, the thing, obviously, about Clark, the main thing about Clark's character was his name. You know, he stood out for being called Clark Trent. Um, <laughs> and, and we find out that in his old school, he used to get called Crypto and, and Superman and <laughs> uh, stuff like yeah. that. Because he, they, he was one of four brothers. <laughs> and his mum and dad had, had taken turns to, to, to call him and... He always hated the fact that he had two brothers called Tony and, and Jack, but then he there was there was also Mervyn and Clark. Um, wow, and, you really take you really taking me back now. Yeah, well, you know, I'm open, I'm open to uh, spark some memories here, Taran. I, I have to say, like, yeah, and, and Clark was friends with it, Matthew and Segs. And I, the thing I I always liked the the relationship, the friendship between. Clark and Matthew because obviously mm. Matthew has his own problems going on. Yeah. yeah. When when you watch those episodes, there's there's always scenes where there's other lads saying to Clark, Oh, do you want to walk home with us or do you want to come and do this with us? And Clark wanted to be Matthew's friend. I think he wanted to look out for him, like mm-hmm. um, because in that episode, in those in those episodes in that in that series became aware that Matthew had this, like, was supposed to have this extravagant lifestyle and he was from a well-to-do family. But yeah, as as he started talking and telling things, I think Clark started thinking that maybe it's still, Matthew's stories didn't always match up with what he said. Yeah. And mm. then, spoiler alert, um, it became apparent that Matthew's dad had become a bit of a drunken... Yeah was always looking abusing at him. He abusing him like but yeah. Clark was always there looking out for Matthew. And and that was one of the as I say, I always liked that about, about Clark. Like um yeah. and one of the things was that Clark caught Matthew making himself sick. As a as a child actor, do you find that like that to be like a big burden or are you just when you get a storyline like that, or are you just are you just playing it out the way 
the way you're told to, like? I think one one thing, even at that age, that you were aware of about Grain Chill, and it's, it's, for me, this is the reason why Grain Chill was so successful. Grain Chill was probably one of the only programmes on TV or, or children's programmes that were actually dealing with real-life issues. Yeah. So, as, you know, it was, you were aware that Grain Chill was about that. Uh-huh. So they, they would all, obviously in this instance they're tackling abuse, yeah. which, which which was you know which is and was a, a serious issue. So you were aware of even at that age of the strength of what you were actually playing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't say something that overbeared you at all, but you were yeah. definitely aware that the dialogue and what's actually happening is 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 a is a serious issue that's being addressed through through acting. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then uh, with that storyline came a little bit more of Clark's backstory is that Clark had actually lived in a foster home as oh. well when his, his mum uh, hadn't been well at some point, so he'd gone to live with in a foster home as well. So we had that to relate to with Matthew. And, and like I say, it was always... It was always that night that nice relationship. I think Clark always wanted to look out for Matthew and wants to make sure he was all right. And like I say, that was that that's one of the reasons that why I, I like that about Matthew. Because that that year uh, about Clark, sorry, because that mm-hmm. that year group, it was split into like three double acts, if you like. So there was just Ian and Tegs, there was uh, yeah. Chrissy and Susie, and then there was Clark yeah. and Matthew, like and, and I, I thought it was very cleverly done. The way they've done mm. that, rather than have them all sort of mixing at once. So that was your <laughs> that was your first series, nineteen eighty eight, and then series twelve, nineteen eighty nine, and there was one thing in particular, uh, one storyline in particular in in series twelve for Clark that just seemed to run and run, which was Clark's bike getting nicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm still just... talking about that bike. <laughs> And the dog. That, that's all, that's yeah. all I've got for the last 30 years. <laughs> Where's the bike, mate? Where's the dog? Uh, yeah. Because it, it was a weird one, I, I always thought. Because, I, that, again, that was a that was a thing of a, a classic Grain Jill thing where, right, something's happened to us, but we're not going to go, we're not going to go to police. We're going to deal with this in our own way and we're going to make sure. And, and I, when, I was, uh, when I was researching for this, that that bike storyline, it it was like it was like a precursor to twenty four, right? Because the bike gets nicked, you get the bike back, <laughs> and then the bike <laughs> then the bike gets nicked again. <laughs> I love that bike. I can see it now. It was a red, it was a red and white BMX, wasn't it? Yeah, I love that bike. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now you've mentioned there the dog. What was what was it like? What was the dog like? Do you know what? It's funny because. I mean, I love I love animals, and I've I've always loved dogs and and cats. Yeah. Um, but that was a big dog. Yeah. And yeah, I remember thinking, it was actually the dog was actually fine. To be fair, fine. Yeah. Didn't I don't remember any snarling or any funny funny looks or anything like that. The dog <laughs> the dog was actually fine. I was very very comfortable um, around that dog. So yeah, I guess I mean dogs are actors as well, actors and actresses as yeah. well in terms of they're they're trained to to behave in a certain way in a certain environment. So yeah, uh, but it was a bit nervy because obviously the dog had to chase me. So that's right. diff. You're not sure if the dog's going to be playing <laughs> or, or if he's going to be really trying to chase me. Yeah. So yeah, that that's the only part that was a little bit daunting. But apart from that, the dog was fine. Yeah, because I always ask people what their favorite storylines and episodes and stuff 
way. That, that bike storyline just sort of ended with a bit of a whimper, to be honest. Yeah. He just, he just went and sucked the bike from the lads, and there was no... Without leader. any resistance. Yeah, yeah. No, no fight, no argument from him. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so, yeah, so, so then that was sort of your end, of uh, the end of your time on Grange Hill. And you'd only done sort of two years. What was the reason behind Darren Kujoko leaving Grange Hill? I think from what I can remember, I remember um, approaching my GCSEs at school and um, I mentioned to you that I was constantly working from the age of about 10, 11, right up to Grange Hill, which was my last, one of my, yeah, the last major thing that I did before I left school. And I remember literally never being at school and that would have been the same for a lot of the people on Grange Hill. What we used to have was tutors that used to come to the BBC. And, and, you know, we'd bring our work there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't, that never worked for me, really. Right. So because every time I went back to school, I was I was constantly playing catch-up. Uh-huh. And it was ridiculous. I was having to catch up on every single subject. And I remember saying to my parents, you know, the GCSEs are coming. I remember how much of a pressure that was. GCSEs was like yeah. a mate. You have to focus, you know, you have to put time in. And I remember having that conversation with with, with my parents, and then obviously I think I believe that that was relayed back and the dialogue between them, I'm not entirely sure right. what it was, but yeah, that's that's sort of how it how it dissolved. Ah, right, it's okay. No, that typical Grange Hill thing. Clark was never mentioned again either. It was like uh, <laughs> it was like yeah. it was like he'd never uh, never existed. Never existed, um, yeah. Okay. That's nice that isn't it. <laughs> so charming, yeah. <laughs> so, so what, what, what sort of things did you do then after you left Grange Hill? Um, after I left Grange Hill, obviously I, I left school, um, went to college, pissed around in college, excuse the <laughs> language, as you do, you know, just trying to find yourself at 16, 17, uh-huh. 18, those kind of ages. Um, and then met, met my wife of right. the last... 22 years, um, wow. 20, well, that's 25 years. What am I talking about? I'll, I'll, I'll get a slap for that. Hopefully, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Had kids, you know, I became a father quite early, 19, 20 years old. Uh-huh. Um, I've got two beautiful kids now. Uh, but I think, yeah, becoming a father really so young, you know, really put me in a different space in terms right. of what what the priority was. Yeah. Um, always been involved in music. Right. Um, currently own a, a production company now, so it's, it's a oh, multimedia yeah. company. Yeah, and that kind of stems way back from then. So that's been sort of growing uh, nicely over the years. And um, yeah, now we're sort of ready to put our own productions on theatre projects and short films and documentaries, etc. So yeah, that's brilliant. That's, that's that's kind of been me. Yeah. So did you like you've just said there about um, your priorities changing? Did you sort of say right, okay, I'm going to leave Acton? behind then is that yeah because it was a situation where um the acting world is never guaranteed yeah and i think i i think like i said when you become a father your priorities change you uh-huh. start thinking about your bread and butter you start thinking about the future of your kids yeah you know so yeah it was really really my passion was always in the music right acting, right. acting was just something that i could do yeah and and still can so yeah, it, it was. It was all. My heart was really always in the music, so it wasn't a major decision for me to make at the time. I, yeah. My my priority at the time was providing for my family. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, then. So your the production company you've got 
going on now? How long have you had that one then? Um, quite some time. Um, but it, you know, sort of in the last sort of five, ten years, I would say in particular, um, sort of started really to harness um, what it was we actually wanted to offer. So I say multimedia production company because obviously we we do music production, we mix, we master, we do sound design um, for film film and television. Um, And yeah, music videos. And now we're branching onto theatre projects um, and trying to put put theatre projects together with short films and documentaries, et cetera. So yeah, yeah, it's sort of everything I've learned over the last 20, 25 years combined into one. Brilliant. Brilliant! I know that that that's cool. Um, so then, just 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 stepping away from that a little bit before we started the interview, me and you were having a little bit of a chat about football. And I'm sorry yeah. to bore anyone that's not into football, but I need to I need to know how this has happened because those of you that have listened to a couple before will know that I'm a I'm a huge Everton supporter. Um, and uh, Darren's up a massive bombshell before this interview started. Um, <laughs> oh me, I nearly, I nearly never went ahead with it. Darren told me that he's, he, he is in fact a Liverpool supporter. Great. And, like, you nearly said, put the phone down. Yeah. You nearly put the phone down, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> so, and and you, you said you said there's a bit of a story connected in, into how that happened. Yeah. So um, yeah. can, you, can you tell us how how that happened then? Yeah, pleasure. So. Um... The first ever job I got at, at, at Barber Speaks was for the Noel Edmonds Late Late Breakfast Show. Right. And um, and for anyone that remembers that show, they used to do a section on there called The Hit Squad. Right. And The Hit Squad is when people used to play pranks on famous people, uh-huh. right? So you'd, you'd have somebody just interviewing or, or just playing some kind of a prank. Right. So initially, initially, I was meant to be interviewing a Chelsea player. Right. And at, at, at the last minute, they said, oh, we can't get Chelsea. Uh, we can get Liverpool, though. And I was like, I was a Liverpool fan prior to that. But right. <laughs> I was like, you know, 11 years old. So anyway, I, uh, I had to interview Bruce Grobbler. Right, okay. And um, basically what, what it was, was that the prank was I had to interview him and I had to keep interrupting him and say, Bruce, you got a bit of shine on your makeup. Can you sort <laughs> Bruce out, please? Bruce, sort it out, mate. So I mean, so I, I had to keep interrupting him whilst he was whilst I was interviewing him. And then obviously in the end, you get, you know, it, it builds up to such an extent where he's thinking he wants to probably strangle me. And then obviously <laughs> Noel Edmonds comes running in and you know, it's you've been hit by the hit squad. So um that's the backstory behind that, because after that, we, you know, we got we got to mingle with the likes of Ian Rush, John Barnes, right, Peter Beardsley. Right. It was Great Craig Johnston, Jan Moby. It was that. Yeah. It was that era who were obviously winners um, yeah. at the time. So got tickets to Liverpool QPR after right. that. Um, you know, was in the changing room before the game with the players. That was wow. amazing at Loftus Road, and that's that's my local team actually. Yeah, QPR. So that was great. The only downside about that story, and I think about <laughs> this to this day. And I've, I've spoken about this to my mates the other day in terms of what I should do. At, at the end, Bruce Squibble came up to me and my mum and he said, look, Darren, on behalf of Liverpool, we want to give you this golden balls. He said, the problem is only a few people have signed it. I think Ian Rush and Yamobi yeah, signed it. He said, not everybody signed it. So he said, if you want, I'll get everybody to sign it and then I'll send it to you. <laughs> I, I never saw it again. Oh, no way. <laughs> And to this day, 
it bugs me. I can't, especially as a Liverpool fan, as yeah. someone who loves, I love Guadalajara, I love Liverpool. <laughs> and I think, should I pick up the phone and tell my story so I can get a free season <laughs> ticket? <laughs> but ge- generally, I really want the ball. Uh, <laughs> and no way. I never, I never saw it again. I don't know what happened. I don't know whether it was Romel playing games or he <laughs> went to the wrong. That I don't. Somebody's got a signed ball. Okay. Are you now? Are you still in touch with anyone from the program? Um. No, not really. No, right. I can't say I am. Yeah, no, not really. Like yeah. a few, I think a few, a few on Facebook, but I'm not. I don't really do Facebook too, too tough. But I know there's a few, a few, a few people yeah. on there knocking yeah. around. Yeah, a few messages and that, but. Like I said, I, I Facebook is for me is too saturated. I can't do it. It gives me a dig. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> All right. So so we are nearly sort of at the end of of the, the interview. Just before we do that, you've mentioned your uh, your multimedia company and, and your music and stuff like that. Can you just tell us uh, what, what they're called for anyone who's listening so anyone, you know, can have a, a, yeah. a, have a listen and stuff? Yeah. So the production companies. Is Global Distortion Records. Yep. Um, I go under the artist name Crusader, which is C-R-U-S-A-D-A. Brilliant. And um, as, as a producer, I go under the name Black Falcon. So I'm many aliases. <laughs> right, okay. uh, you see, the actor hasn't really left me there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's 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 kind of what we operate under. And yeah, we just, we've been putting out good music for some time now. Uh, predominantly hip-hop music slash mm-hmm. R&B. But like I said, um, you know, the project that's imminent now that's taken up the most time and creative energy is is this theatre project, which is basically a combination of, um, you know, musical hip hop with acting, dialogue, narration and rap. Right. So it's um, trying to combine all these elements and trying, yeah. trying to tell a murder story in the 1970s. So it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah no, brilliant. OK, then, so I... There's a few few questions that I've got. I always sort of end the interview um, with, and they're all Grange Hill related. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not a quiz. Not gonna... it's, a... <laughs> it's not a quiz. You know, what kind of socks I was wearing on that, <laughs> on that series? Are you? <laughs> no, that's it. I'll save that for another time. <laughs> but just recently, in the last few months, there's been talk of a, a Grange Hill movie being made, Phil Redmond's uh, on board and it, it's being written and stuff like that. If you were asked, would they, would we see a return of Clark Trent? 100%. Why not? Brilliant. 100, 100%. If you're listening, Phil, remember me? <laughs> remember that smile? <laughs> yeah, no, for, for sure. I would, I would definitely. Why not? Why wouldn't I? Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So then, other than uh, Clark Trent, who is your favourite character? In Grangeville, I think Gonch. Yeah, I could relate. I could relate to him. <laughs> bit he was a wheeler in. Yeah, we're coming from the council estate. You know, we could relate to Gonch. Yeah, oh, excellent, <laughs> excellent. So then, is there another character if you couldn't have played Clark Trent? Is there another character you would have liked to have played? Oh, um, played. I forgot his name. <laughs> Poor guy that was always with Conch. <laughs> it's a funny guy as well. So Trevor Cleaver. Cleaver. Trevor Cleaver. That, that was, that's my guy. That's my <laughs> guy. Funny guy. Very, very funny guy. Yeah, yeah. Never, never serious on set, I remember. <laughs> never serious. Um, 
good guy from what I can remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think him. I think I think he had a good character. Excellent. Bit strange, strange, but weird character. But, <laughs> yeah. funny, but funny at the same time. Yeah, he had these funny one-liners. I remember. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, then. So then, my last question, and you've sort of touched on it already. Um, why do you think there's still such affection for Grangeil? Why do you think people are still talking about it? Because I think it was, it was a one of a kind at the time. Uh-huh. It was, it was a one of a kind, and it was very similar to EastEnders. Maybe not so much now, but you know, EastEnders even 10, 15 years ago uh-huh. had a cult, had a cult following because it, it did kind of reflect realism yeah. at the time. At the time, you know, I think, I think when when something's relatable, it tends to stick with you a lot longer, and especially when something's relatable when you're a child, you always go back to your childhood, don't you? And you remember yeah. things. From your, there's certain things you remember from your childhood and certain things that you don't. But you know, uh-huh. programs like the A Team and and you know, Grange Hill, these these are programs that everybody was watching. Yeah. You Definitely. Know? Definitely. Okay. I don't, the, the one word I, I I seem to use quite a lot when I talk about Grange Hill is uh, groundbreaking because yeah. it was, you know, for a kids' TV program to deal with the issues that it dealt yeah. with. Yeah, head on as well. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, listen, Darren, thank you so much uh, for coming yeah. on. This is probably, we've had the most technical issues that I've ever had in any of the interviews today. <laughs> so thank you for sticking with me as well. No problem. Um, but it's, no been, problem. it's been great talking to you and, and listening to your, uh, to your stories. Like it's been, uh, it's been tremendous. Good. Good. Nice one. Well, happy to help. Happy to help you, mate. No problem. Brilliant. Brilliant. And for anyone who's listening, I'll speak to you next time. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye.